HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Today's episode of The Food Scene has been brought to you by Sam Edwards. For more information, SurreyFarms.com. Welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today, smitten like most, with Deb Perman of Smitten Kitchen. Thank you for being on. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Uh, Deb's actually been on the station before. Two years ago, she was on Kathy Irway's Let's Eat In, and I actually was a guest during that one. Yeah. And for all these years, I've been thinking, oh, I already had Deb on my show. But really, we were just guests together. I just thought it took us two years to schedule it. That too. Yeah, we've been busy. A lot of things have been happening. Uh, a, A book coming out this fall. Amongst, yes. amongst life as well. Yes, so. life will hopefully be continuing this fall as well. <laughs> but yes, there is a book coming out this fall. Well, let's talk about life in general. Yes. The beginning. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Central Jersey. Central Jersey. I have no comment about that. I don't know anything about it. I don't know <laughs> what native cuisines happen in Central Jersey, <laughs> if any. Cuisines. Yeah, the indigenous oh, I'm people. Get in of, if I don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't get me in trouble with my history lesson. No, I grew up in New Jersey, um, about like maybe an hour, forty-five minute drive from the city, about forty-five minutes from the beach. It seemed about right. I grew up not far from Rutgers University. Yeah, and my parents are still there, so I'm not going to talk smack about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, were you often in New York City? Yeah, um, both of my parents actually grew up in the city. My dad's from the Bronx, and my mom grew up in Queens and they lived in the Upper West Side when they first got married they lived there for a few years and then they lived in um, Lincoln Towers which is sort of this famous these famous buildings in the Upper West Side where people have been living for like 40 years and then the um, Trump Towers went up and they blocked out their views and (laughs) my parents were so mad about this Um, but anyway so then I, I would say that was the beginning of the end for them and then eventually they decided that backyards and 
good public schools and all that stuff were their priorities. And yeah. So we, we ended up in New Jersey. Well, I mean, New Jersey's not all that bad. I mean, it has its vicinity, its circumference to Manhattan, but... You and grew, it has me. Yeah, and it has <laughs> you, me. and home of Deb Perlman. <laughs> yes, exactly. What did you grow up eating, cooking? Oh, God, such a good question. <laughs> I was a pain in the butt. I didn't like anything. I was so picky. Um, and then I made it worse because when I was 13, I became a vegetarian. Okay, maybe <laughs> I, I wasn't the worst. My mother didn't cook at all when she first got married. Um, and she kind of taught herself to cook a little bit through Julia Child's Mastering the Art of French Cooking, yeah. which I think is really cool. And I definitely think it shaped my food orientation because, you know, we definitely had a lot of arugula salad growing up. Growing up. My mom would steam artichokes. That was one of my favorite <laughs> things. I don't remember eating, like... A lot of like the mac and cheese and hot dogs and stuff like that, like that my friends ate, which is kind of a bummer because it sounds like they were having fun eating yeah. it. And we were like never allowed to have sugar cereals or anything oh. like that. So your friends were like mine, disappointed to come over and have <laughs> dinner at your house? <laughs> I never even thought about it, but they probably were. But so when I, so I, I didn't, you know, of course it's just what you know. You don't think it's weird. I mean, I don't think we were like super foodie or fussy or anything like that. But when I talk to other people, I realize that there is sort of a gap. I don't think I ever had like meatloaf or, which is a bummer because yeah. it's actually really delicious when it's made well. So your mother's cooking was taught in her single years. Um, when did you start cooking? Did you interact with your mother? Did you start cooking when you were on your own? I mean, I definitely played around in the kitchen growing up, but it was not like, I mean, I always loved cooking. My best friend, and I would make these like crazy cakes and we would, you know, those rainbow cakes you see all over Pinterest these days. Yeah, we, we totally did that. <laughs> we totally did that way before it was on Pinterest or even Pinterest. Um, so we would make these crazy cakes and I was definitely into cooking, but you know, I kind of, you know, grew up, went to high school, went to college, you know, living on my own, there wasn't really a lot of reason to cook. I mean, I think I might have enjoyed doing it more if I was still at home, but there wasn't like, you know, cooking for one in a dorm room. That doesn't even like make sense. And then you're living on your oh, own. You, and you never experimented with the micro fridge? Nope. Late night? No, Nothing like that. I don't. I remember we once made noodles and like a tea kettle. I mean, it was it was pretty. It was really bad ramen. Yeah, I remember ramen. So it wasn't until so I was always interested in cooking, but I didn't really start until a bit later. And so when somebody comes to me and they're like, "I never cook," you know, I live on my own. I'm like, "Don't feel bad." I think it's you know, it, it's great if you can make time to do it. But I think I completely understand the desire to not, you know go shopping, haul all these groceries home, do all the cooking, do all the dishes, have leftovers for four days just to like eat by yourself or maybe with one friend you dragged over. You know, it's yeah. not, but I think once I, once I met my husband and we were living together and it became a lot more fun, you know, you kind of don't want to go out every night or certainly don't want to order in every night. And so you, it sort of gives you a fun chance to experiment because they help with the dishes <laughs> or they should, you should definitely. Or you just get a dishwasher. Yeah, but somebody still needs to load it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. If you load it and let it sit for a couple of days without running it, now that's, that's a smell. That's an amazing smell. No idea what you're speaking of. We are, we are top-notch cleaners at Smith Kitchen. So um, your formal education, your schooling wasn't in the food path. What did you actually do prior to arriving at Smitten Kitchen? Oh, God. What did I not do? Let's see. I worked at a coffee shop. I worked at my radio station. I worked at a record store. I worked at Tower Records for a bunch of years. I was awesome. a supervisor there. <laughs> I was pretty cool. Kind of. Um, <laughs> let's see. I was an art therapist. I was an IT reporter. I mean, I could just keep going. I've yeah, no, keep on going. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to I've had a lot of different things that I've done that seem like I worked at a coffee shop for a while. I would like make these triple skim decaf lattes with a sugar-free hazelnut syrup. We called them hand warmers because... <laughs> 
you know, what, why why would you? What I don't I don't understand. But you, it. but you were also as as you put it a scrawler of happy birthday on cake. Yes. When now, I was now, what was that? What kind of job was that? <laughs> I um, when I was in high school, I worked at a bakery, um, just like in a chain mall because it was yeah. central Jersey and I worked <laughs> at a bakery but I learned so much there I would so there were really like there were bakers and I was a counter person and you know like never between the two should meet but you know the bakers go home and somebody needs to cover like the last minute birthday cake orders and stuff like that and so we were allowed to like occasionally like write on cakes and stuff I was so good at that yeah you didn't do those cookie cakes did you no big, no no, no. Yeah. this is like before every bakery like airbrushed and stuff yeah i mean they were just getting into that it was really like basic yellow cakes german chocolate cake you know the pies the woven you could get a crumb pie or a lidded pie like there was only two kinds of pie yeah and uh you know the cookies that are filled and dipped all those italian cookies that are rolled in the sprinkles those were super fun to make when yeah. i got to do those days so i worked there for a few years and it was fun i learned a lot and they also baked all their own bread on the premise so i learned a little bit about that mostly just by eavesdropping yeah <laughs> so you had this basis this foundation did you realize what you were learning while you were there um no yeah no it is not it is not to the 18 year old have insight into what they're doing with their lives <laughs> or certainly not this one and i admire 18-year-olds who know what they want to do. But no, I just thought it was really cool, and I thought cooking was really fun. But I really thought if you wanted to cook, you had to become a cook. You had to go to cooking school, and then you had to work at restaurants. And that didn't – it didn't sound like the right thing for me. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I remember there was this 10-second debate with my mother before I, you know, chose my undergraduate school about, you know, what – whether I should go to cooking school. But it was just like I don't I, – I don't know. It didn't sound very appealing to me. I didn't imagine that you'd have, like, much of a life, which – you know, is indeed true, and you'd be working all the time. And because just, you don't work at all now, you're just no, I'm here at Roberta's. Three o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. I'm hanging out at Roberta's. What else do I'm I have? A Nothing beer. else to do with yeah. my time. Exactly. I'm maybe after. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I'll just steal your. Right outside my window, people are eating these calzones, and they are um, filled with like you meat and cheese. Eat they, those they, things. They cleared those plates. They really, they yeah. did. I don't think I've ever seen anybody finish a Roberta's calzone before. So they've got meat. I don't know and why they wore white beer. shirts either. And I want their lives. Yeah. <laughs> you have a good life. It's not terrible. When did you realize you were becoming a self-taught cook? What was that first dish? What was that first moment where you're like, hey, I want to pursue this. I want to I keep cooking. Um, it definitely happened in the early days of the blog, uh, of the food blog. Before that, I had sort of a personal blog where I'd babble on the way I'm doing right now. <laughs> um, but I had that for a couple of years and then I started the food blog and I, I really thought it was going to be a six month endeavor because I felt like the good food blogs were written by people who really knew something about food. They were cooks, they yeah. were chefs, they were farmers, like they had something, something to say. And uh, I was not any of those things. So I didn't think it would last long, but as it happened, I realized I had quite a few opinions on food and how I wanted it made. And I think it stems from that fussiness, that pickiness, yeah. where I was like, no, I want it to be this way, not that way. And from there, you can create a voice, even if it's a little bit bratty. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember some of the OG, some of like the original food blogs? Um, I mean, I remember Chowhound was, we yeah. were just talking about Chowhound before this. It was very big and there was, oh, what's the other really big, there was another really big Mouthfuls? Food no, it's it's. I'm going to get in trouble because I think some techie people started, and I knew. Yeah. Um, so there was another. You know. So I knew about those, and I mean, when I started, in terms of like the personal home cooking type of food blogging, I mean, e gullet. 
Eagle, thank you. God, I was going to get yeah. in so much trouble. No, I, I saw a whole bunch one. of techies waving their fists at us outside. I was going to get in trouble. So, um, yeah, so Eagle, it was a big one. And so I definitely knew about the forums. and But you didn't have, I mean, it wasn't like yet every... Like New York Mag didn't have Grub Street yet, and you know New York Times didn't have Diners Journal yet. You know you didn't have blogs that went with magazines that focused on food, but there were definitely a few. I mean, there are definitely a lot of food bloggers that I still read now. We were just speaking about Heidi from yeah. 101 Cookbooks. She's been around longer than me. And um, if you're listening, Heidi, I'm going to get you on this show. So <laughs> that's a, that is a threat. <laughs> I don't know anything about Heidi's travel yeah. schedules. I'm not going to get myself <laughs> in trouble. Um, so yeah, so uh, but they. Yeah, I, de- I absolutely remember it. And I mean, Chow so different today, but I still, when I'm looking, like if I'm about to go out of town and I want to find out how a restaurant's doing, like I'll totally search yeah. Chow for it still. So what were those first dishes that you cooked and commented on your own blog? Oh, boy. <laughs> so definitely some of the... Oh, God, what? This shouldn't be that <laughs> difficult. I definitely remember making this eggplant dish from Food & Wine. And I remember that I had all of these opinions about it. It was a smoky Thai eggplant salad. It's one of the first dishes I put up. But I was afraid, like I thought that it was rude to change the recipe. I thought that to that this chef knew what they were doing. Yeah. And they did. I mean, you know, but it's okay to also have your own opinions. And so I remember in the beginning being very tentative about putting my own mark on dishes because I thought that it was rude or disrespectful or like, what do I know? I'm not a chef. Yeah. I'm not a food writer. And as the definitely the big change has been over the last five to six years is that slowly I started changing things a little bit, then I started changing things a lot. And now I've kind of gotten to the point where over half the things I make, I'm just not seeing out there, so I have to start from scratch. So yeah. I, I've definitely built a lot of my cooking skills over the course of the site. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also a, a trusted thing that you're, you're taking a recipe from someone who has taken time, effort to yeah. uh, make something that is replicable and consistent. And then, yeah, there are flavor profiles. Each person yeah. likes... And then I go into my tiny little kitchen, yeah. and like they probably have a real kitchen with a full-size <laughs> oven and maybe a microwave and, like, I don't know, you know, like pots that aren't junky. And like, yeah. so who am I in my kitchen to say that? So, but that's the whole thing. Like, food... I don't think the cooking came from people who wrote recipes professionally. It came from, like, people who passed recipes around with their own marks in the margins. So, yeah. you know, that deserves some credit, too. And, a, and it's cooked in, what, 42 square feet? How big is your kitchen now? It's actually now? a lot smaller now. I don't even, it's like 20, it's really small. It's yeah. like like it would be hard for 3 people to stand in the kitchen. Yeah. It's not enjoyable. What are its quirks? It has a big window. Well, it's not a big window. It's that the room is small and it's a normal size window, but it has a window <laughs> and that's a huge help. I look out over the avenue, I definitely feel a little less isolated in it. Um it has you can't stand in front of the stove. If you look at my site, like most of the stove pictures, they're either directly overhead or they're from the corner because the fridge is too big for the kitchen. (laughs) And I think that people who've rented the apartment before me put the fridge in the living room, but I I just can't do it. I can't bear it, even though it would give me all this extra space, like whole feet of it. Yeah. So you can't really, I mean, you can stand in front of the stove, but it's not, it's not enjoyable. Yeah. But I mean, we'll talk about photography later. Yeah. But I mean, the angles that you have to work with too are, are limited. But just, what what you've done with that is, is, you know, your point of view. So perfectly put, uh, so concise and conflated that, you know, it makes sense in any kitchen, large or small. But it shows that you can actually do it in 42 squared feet. I definitely think people shouldn't feel limited by small kitchens. Yeah. I mean, think about restaurants, though. I mean, with each line cook, they don't have... Um, you know, multiple counters. They have one little spot. They chop something. They put in a dish. 
clean their counter, chop something else, and you have to do all that prep work. So, I mean, people have been cooking amazing things in tiny kitchens before a long time before Smitten yeah. Kitchen came along. And so I think you definitely don't need to be intimidated by it. There are definitely times where it's frustrating, where you would just, like, kill for another counter to put your two baking sheets on, but, you know, you just work it out. Oh, believe me, I've been thinking about making Murphy counters lately. Um, oh, just, that would pull out? Yeah, just fold out like I've an to- ironing mm-hmm. board. I've totally yeah. fantasized about that. <laughs> right now, I just, like, put things out on, like, the table in the living room, but, yeah, I mean, I've got a toddler around, and it's just... Yeah. It's not good. What, what was the start of Smitten Kitchen? What, what, what year? What was the impetus? What was the first entry? So, I, um... I, I did have this personal blog before then. It was it was called Smitten, um, but I uh, I was just writing about whatever. But it was like more and more the food the posts were becoming about food. <laughs> I'm trying not to comment on what these poor people are. Eating. Oh, they're on. Yeah, they're, they're on having the a great time. Sticky buns now. Carbo load. I am so. You know what jealous. Roberta should do is like rent beds and back for naps after seeing them <laughs> eat that. Like those Japanese pods that they have at the airports. Not that I've ever been, but I've seen them in movies. I have seen them too. Yeah. They look pretty awesome. They look bigger than my kitchen. New, new conceptual restaurant. New pop-up restaurant is the, <laughs> you know, nap time snack. <laughs> That's like stuff for this is why you're fat.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, the, the posts were becoming more and more about food. So I said, let me start a food blog. But as I mentioned earlier, I had all these concerns about like not being a real food person. I still do. Yeah. Well, maybe a little less. But I mean, you know, I, so I didn't really think it was going to last long, but I thought I'd just give it a spin and see what happened. Yeah. And that started when? That was um, September 2006. I, I kind of was building the site over the summer before, but uh, like August, September 2006. So we're going on six years. Wow. Well, which is insane because I just blinked. Yeah. Like, and I was saying restaurants don't even last that long these days. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. It's so crazy. I can't even, it's like, it happens so fast. So what was it based on? Unfussy ingredients, fearlessness, or fear? <laughs> well, the fears were more like personal confidence fears that I think we all have. But um, I think definitely I, I wanted people to be unafraid in the kitchen. That was definitely something. And I didn't have that all figured out from the first week. That was just something that I realized was a recurring theme. You know, I had to think about it. Like, you know, what's what's going on here? Like, what am I trying to tell people? And it was that if you want to make something, like, why not make it? Like, what... <coughs> Excuse me. What's stopping you from like learning to make buttercream or pizza yeah. dough or like why not? Like what is there to lose? Even if it's like an average home cooked meal, it's probably ten times as good as what you were gonna what make from a box or yeah. from the freezer. So and I mean truthfully, how expensive or time consuming would it be if you fucked up? It really wouldn't be at all. And 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 I'm telling you that even bad pizza I've made, we've enjoyed. Like it's still pizza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there's got to be dishes though that when you make them poorly. You push them aside and you just start another day. Well, cause, see, for me, it's different because my husband and son will eat them, but I will be so annoyed <laughs> with the dish. Like, yeah. I'll be mad. I can't even look at you. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I get angry. Yeah, I get so mad. I'm like frustrated. And, I, and especially if I haven't figured out what went wrong yet, like I get frustrated because like, so I look at it and I don't want to eat it, even though it may not be that bad. It's not what I want it to be. It's not. A, it's not a good trait. I just... Yeah, my husband teases me. He's like, he's like, you can't even look at that dish, can you? <laughs> yeah. So, what are what are your bane ingredients? What are the ones that I know? Uh, okra is like, I, I can't stand okra. Okay, but, you need to go. See, I actually am not a big fan of yeah. okra either. But um, great, now I'm going to get sent like a million okra recipes. <laughs> so I'm not crazy about okra, but I have had formats of okra that I think are phenomenal. You need to go to Chinese Merch. 
I'm writing this down. On, uh, oh, I'm just going to listen to the show like, later. It's a yeah. 28th or 29th in like Lexington. I think it's right across the street from Calusians or maybe it's on 3rd Avenue. Yeah. It's right there and it's like, it's literally fusion Chinese Indian. Anyway, they make crispy fried okra. You get it like in a basket like with yeah. cones and it's so spicy and it is crunchy yeah. and it is addictive and it made me an okra person at least while I'm at that place. Yeah. You know, sometimes you give up the battle and you just let someone else cook okra for you. Yeah, I think that's totally legit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there, so I, I actually like to challenge myself to find, like when I don't like a food, find a way that I would enjoy it, such as yeah. this one okra at this one location in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, so you want me to talk about other food? That Well, well yeah, what are your foods? Uh, you can join the okra bandwagon um, if you like. I am not the biggest fan of beets, um, but I have found ways to overcome it. I actually have a beet dish in the cookbook. My mother's like, oh, my God, she couldn't believe it. <laughs> we, like, fall over. It almost ended up on the cover, So, which is because they're really pretty. Um, but they were small and crackly roasted, and I think that kind of transforms their texture. Beatiness. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I, I always love beets, except for that first time where I ate too much, and the next day I thought I had to go to the hospital. So that's another story. <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I was, and for a long time I wasn't that into kale. So I basically every trendy ingredient. Yeah. <laughs> I just I wasn't that into kale, and I couldn't really find its charm. But then I like I challenged myself to, and now I love it. I actually think it's awesome on pizza. Yeah. So I actually um, had that two nights ago. I actually don't eat a lot of fish. Yeah. Fish is definitely my thing. It's not. It's not been my um like cod and salmon yeah. and. I could see this as a series of Smitten Kitchen attacks fish. I don't mean like physically attacks, but like. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. So uh, yeah. there are also fussy ingredients that you tried to stray away from. You cited, yeah. you know, like truffle oil, Himalayan pink salt, single origin chocolates. I just think that like cooking shouldn't be about like what you can spend on ingredients. It's supposed to be about making food for your family like it should be accessible i really try to write recipes that i mean i love i'm really spoiled i live in new york city i have the ability to go to a green market i can buy local meat i buy local produce but i try to write recipes that you can go to your regular grocery store and make because i don't think people should have to feel bad because they can't get the fanciest produce or maybe because you know what like those tomatoes at the green market are pretty steep yeah like they're really steep and it's you know it's cost prohibitive for a lot of people you have a family of five you're going to just go like this is i mean so i don't think food should be a class thing um so i try to write recipes to me like a good recipe transforms food it takes it from one state and it makes it in another you know or or it does something to raise what's inherent even in um an average ingredient. And so that's really what I want to focus on. And if it only is going to taste good with a very, very, very peak season picked yesterday, you know, like dewy fresh produce, I either will mention it or maybe I'll just reconsider whether I want to put it on my site. Not that I won't enjoy it at home, but (laughs) I don't know if it's what I want to push on other people. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about those transformative foods (laughs) year round found a, more than locally interesting you've been listening to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.com
This program is brought to you by Edwards of Surrey, Virginia. program was sponsored by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Summertime is not the only time when barbecue is welcome. At S. Wallace Edwards and Sons, Sam Edwards has been working his magic on ribs, briskets, pit-cooked pulled pork, and much, much more. Add a few of their sides and the party is complete. Entertaining has never been so easy. To order, go to virginiatraditions.com. Hey, and welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here with Spidden Kitchen, a.k.a. The Spidden, a.k.a. Deb Perlman. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're gawking all the food and stuff going on outside (laughs) and just getting hungrier and hungrier. But we're not going to rush through this. We're going to talk about the slow and low. We're going to talk about those foods, those transformative foods that, you know, went from a simple carrot to the carrot cake pancakes. Wow. (laughs) That recipe looks fantastic. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's great. And like... It's just I don't know when I I have to, it's from the Joy the Baker cookbook and and I was um, she's a food blogger that I she's got a great little blog and this is her first cookbook and I I picked it up and I was just kind of like waiting for something to jump out at me not that everything doesn't but you know these did yeah <laughs> it just was kind of like carrot cake pancakes like that's such a good idea because they're not terribly sweet and you make this cream cheese topping and it sounds like it would be so fattening but it's actually almost austere there's so much grated carrot in there my son inhaled them which was like. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that was a good one. Um, There's another carrot recipe on the site that I'm tremendously fond of, and it was sent to me by a reader, and is a was like Moroccan spiced carrot salad, and has all these spices in it, and feta and mint, and it's just it's so good. Yeah. It's like you could just it's like such a wonderful thing to have around. So it's a little bit of harissa in it too, and um. Yeah, and there you go. Look, I mean, you could use great carrots, and you could use... And it's not that great carrots aren't going to maybe taste a little sweeter, a little fresher, but I think it's really nice to know that you can go use your grocery store carrots and make a really good salad with them. Yeah, I mean, that there's a fail-safe. I think all great recipes are ones that have a lot of latitude, mm-hmm. are, are exacting at the same time, but that, depending on what ingredient you get in, you can still make it, and it still produce something wonderful. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't think people should feel bad if they, you know, like, find prices, or, or if they live in an area. I mean, I, I think it would be wonderful if everybody had access to local clean produce that was affordable, but it's not the reality. So, yeah. Um, when you first started your blog and cooking for your family, where did you shop? Did you go to the Union Square Green Market? Because you live in East Village, right? Yeah, I didn't live there the whole time. We lived in Chelsea for a yeah. while, and I mean, we rent, so we just kind of bounce around whoever will have us. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a kitchen with a window? Okay, no, next <laughs> apartment. <laughs> That's pretty much actually it. Um, so we, I did use the green market, and I, I, I use, um, you know, this is a tough one because I use Whole Foods a lot. Um, but outside the city, people are like, "Oh, I can't shop at a fancy place like Whole Foods," and I'm like, "That's cool. It's just that where where we are, that's the good store. Yeah. Like, this is like where I live in the East Village. I'm equidistant from two Whole Foods, and they really are the stores that have like the most of the ingredients well, I use. I also go to you know key food sometimes yeah. too for basic stuff. But you know these are these are the and when I lived in Chelsea, I used the Gristidis all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, I need pasta. They've got it. Same brand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I would use whatever's close. 
But, um, you know, so I know that outside the city, like, you know, Whole Foods is sort of viewed as like a fancy store. And I, I think it is. It is. I mean, you know, if you want to buy prepared food there, it's really expensive. But I find for the basics, like, they're pretty salad and... I can get my ingredients that I need there. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about Trader Joe's. I think there's this guys about it, um, but you know some of the produce from California. When California produce is in season, mm-hmm. we're not. I'll go there. I'll sneak away, have an avocado or two, or you know, pull in some tomatoes or citrus because uh-huh. we don't grow it here. And no, we don't grow yeah, citrus. Yeah. I know, and we also like. I know I, it's really wonderful to eat local, but there is a reality in New York City, in New York, in the East Coast, like where we're really not growing stuff from October to just now things are coming in so you know it's really wonderful to use all the roots and everything that can survive the winter but the reality is eventually you start to crave strawberries from time to time yeah. and i think you should buy them from the guys on the street because i love those street vendors yeah. the street carts <laughs> of the fruit they're like so nice yeah so it's just so refreshing to hear that there are or, well I, I almost called them alternate like alternative sources like street vendors and stuff but no they were there propagating before in the yeah, green the market cards, and whole yeah. foods and that you can still make great food out of you know this produce or, or mm-hmm. this product um when you cook for your family how do you concept a meal or concept a recipe or is it a day like i'm gonna i'm gonna work on you know transforming this to that or like no, i'm gonna work on getting these guys fed it's like I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to make this, and they can eat it if they want it. And if they want to stare at their plates, they can stare at their plates. Yeah. Mean. <laughs> Especially when I'm hungry, I'm mean. Now, um, sometimes it's a dish that's sort of been vexing me. Like I, I wrote last week about, last week or over the weekend about this towering quiche that I've been wanting to sort of crack the code of for years. It's from Thomas Keller. So that was definitely something that we ate for a couple of days. The over the top mushroom Two thirds of us ate for a couple of days. Yeah. I'm not going to out the members of my family who wouldn't touch it, but that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> They were short. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so sometimes it's something like that, and I am sort of thinking about dinner. Other times, um, other times I'm, I'm sort of like working on something else, and it may be part of dinner, or it may be all of dinner, or it may just be like something that I have around for lunch for a few days, like if it's a salad. Um, and I, I make a lot of pizza at home. I've been on this big pizza kick lately. Yeah. Um, and so I'll just, I mean, that's my one of my throw-together meals. Like, I really, you know... Uh, we do some pasta at home. I do like try to make, um, I do this a bit more in the winter where I make like a big batch of like a bolognese and, you know, maybe freeze it in smaller portions. And that's like a really great thing to heat up sort of a win-win with the toddler. Like he loves anything with noodles and a tomatoey meaty sauce. So, um, so I do stuff like that, but it's really all over the place. Like I know most families, like they have certain things that they eat every week. And I think for us, it's much more random. Yeah. Whatever mom's. Mom felt like cooking today, if she felt like cooking. So who is this book for? And again, congratulations on this book. I know I know what putting these things together is. And we've talked a couple times like, oh, God, I am buried. I'm buried. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes out, it, it's uh, not that I ever have, but it's like birthing a child. It almost you takes that long. You have done many books. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not under, you've done many. You've yeah. done photography for a lot of books. I've not done any books. So this is... um. This is going to be interesting. But yeah, right now we're still in the work phase. Yeah. I've been um, doing the first pass this week, and I just got that back to them today. Only two days late. Yeah. Everything I do is late. Um, but um, the cookbook, I hope it's a little bit for everybody. I mean, I definitely think um, my, my, my dream, my hope for the cookbook was I wanted somebody to be able to walk in a cookstore, a, a, a bookstore, a cookbook store, and pick it up and like not know anything about the site and not care what a food blog is and open it up and see something that they like absolutely 
want to make. That's what I thought about all the time. When I looked at a recipe and I was trying to decide if it was still a good fit, I tried to like have it pass that test. Like, what would I have to take home from the grocery store and uh, from the bookstore. So that's what I was thinking about a lot. And I mean, I hope, of course, what, what my foods would, you know, the dishes for me are not necessarily going to be everybody's, but I hope that there's at least one or two things in there that most people find irresistible. And so, yeah. What are your standouts? What, are, what do you feel like are going to be the signature dishes from this book? Oh God. I mean, I have my favorites, but I have no idea. There's a pretty cool French toast casserole. Um, there's a pretty cool breakfast pretzel. I had a lot of fun breakfast with the breakfast pretzel. Yeah, breakfast pretzel. Tell me a little bit more about that. It's a, um, it's like actually a brioche. It's a sweet one. It's yeah. not like you're not gonna have this in a, you're not gonna have this at, at Oktoberfest in Germany. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's brioche. There's some chocolate in there, and it looks like a pretzel. And it's just, um, it's not. It's really a pretzel in design. And don't not, downplay it. It's a pretzel. It's, I love pretzels. It's, it's got yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a little salty and crunchy and. Um, so there's one of those. So I definitely had a lot of fun with the breakfast section. I also had, um, I, uh, I, you know, I really played around. I'm not like the hugest meat cooker, but I do, I have very strong feelings about how I want it to be. So I just tried to work from that angle. And there's a chicken dish that I, there's, there's three chicken dishes in there actually, which is like a tremendous lot for me. But I, I had fun. I just had these three different things I wanted to do. One's more of a mostly whole roasted bird, one's in pieces and one's something that you can do with chicken cutlets. And I think that all three of them are like really great but the um one that's in pieces um it's got some unusual ingredients and every time we make it we just completely finish it and i think that's that's awesome i'm excited and yeah I, li- I like these little cliffhangers too that you're you're not telling me the whole story i know what is wrong with me why can't i talk no about no these no it's, like better the most... it's better for the book it's better for the book keep the mystique that. i'm just like I, it's it's like this on my site too like it's so hard for me to even talk about what i want to do next week because i don't know i might change my mind yeah. which drives my publishers crazy because i'm the, the <laughs> act that i that i would sit there and act like maybe this isn't a permanent th- yeah. decision I've made. So there's a, there's some cool chicken dishes in there. Um, there is cool chicken dishes. That sounds impossible. <laughs> like, like tepid, like yeah, I know. room temp, cool. No, just in the breeze. I mean, it, yeah. it is by the time I get yeah. on the table, but um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's a whole bunch of salads. There's, um, and there's a lot of desserts on um, there, you know, on the site, desserts are a good third to half of the site. So, um, we try to keep it. It's not maybe it's probably a good third of the book, and so there's some cakes, um, birthday cakes for grownups, birthday cakes for kids. There's some um, few pies um, and fruit desserts, and then there are some cookies. Yeah, and um, I'm trying to think of a really. <laughs> I'm trying to. There's there's definitely a great junk food cookie in there, and there is definitely a great peanut butter cookie in there with some chocolate because you know. Obviously, that yeah. has to happen. Um, and then I did this whole thing at the end that I think might be a little weird, but I just really wanted to do it. And it's like party foods because I love, like, if I'm having people over or going somewhere to kind of make sort of like a cocktail party snack that's not just toast and fancy cheese or like little baguette slices. So I, I did a few things that are like party snacks that I, you know, you can either take with you or make when you're having so people over. It's, it's not like just little, all that. Yeah, it, it's it's travel. Yeah, and travel it could be with. snacks for at yeah. home too. But like you know, I that's 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 sort of like a part of my cooking so I wanted to include that and I think you know when you're going to a party and you like to cook it's nice to not just bring a bottle of wine or like a wedge of cheese but to bring something that you made so there's a section of that so pros and photography because your site isn't just all recipes but your pros I mean it really is whimsical and it's insightful but it's hilarious and it is exactly this tone that we're talking in oh you mean me talking too much (laughs) no no it's that that it's true that it's honest and it's exactly what you're thinking at the time like no bullshit 
filter. So, yeah. <laughs> and the photography, too. Uh, it's, it has a clarity to it. It has an understanding. Well, it has what eventually becomes an understanding because you see yourself work through problems or work mm-hmm. through recipes mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not just a site where it's one pretty picture of a dish. It's step by step by step, figuring it out mm-hmm. along the way. And, you know, I, I, I don't see that done that often. And it's a real, you know, uh, coup to you to Thanks. actually have. You know, the process pictures, they play the part of, I think, making you feel like somebody's in the kitchen with you. Like, it really helps me when I'm chopping vegetables to sort of have an image of, like, better than any words can describe how to chop vegetables is to see somebody dicing an onion. The same time, I really, I don't do the, like, I know there are some sites that, that they really evident, like, they have a photo of every step, and I don't do that at all. I don't pressure myself to sometimes. I take two process photos, and that's it. The photos themselves are, so, theoretically, I'm taking them to help explain the recipe, but I'm actually taking them because I find the food pretty. Uh, it's, it's often just like an angle or something I think yeah. looks cool, like all the coins of carrots on a plate. Like I just I I take them because I like the textures and the shapes. So those are the things that jump out. So they they serve a function, but I actually take them because I think they're most of the time they're pretty. Yeah, well they come across that way. And on top of that, you know, it's fun for me. Yeah, and it, and it shows. And it's done on your countertop. It's in your real kitchen. It's not like a studio setup. Are people going to be mad if I move out of that kitchen and I have like a non-hideous countertop? No, that's a... No. What is it for, Micah? What is it? Yeah, it's like total for Micah. Yeah. Like, occasionally I'll get an email. They're like, I redecorated my kitchen. I want a granite countertop. I'm like, it's not granite. They're like, well, what do you think of granite? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's plastic. It's like it's like peeling at the corner. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's what makes it so charming. That's what makes this food so real. I think bokeh is what makes it charming. Yeah. <laughs> So, in the photography, you're self-taught as well. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, you know what you're I doing. know what, like, yeah. three buttons do. Yeah. But, like, I, I could never have a conversation with real photographers about yeah. real photography. Me neither, really. <laughs> that's, that's why I do this. <laughs> no, but I really think that the difference between what I do, which is sort of like playing a photographer on the internet and, like, real photographers, is that real photographers know how to make a photo happen. I just sort of grab photos that look good to me. But if you told me to, like you know, take a cookbook worthy shot of this like cup on the table, I would, I can't promise it's going to happen. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's like that ability to execute is where I think all that extra technical knowledge comes well, out. I'm I, mostly just trying to get the sharpest, clearest picture I can of the food in front of me. I think it's very much in line with how you taught yourself food though. So you work on that technique stuff first and then you're able to build a repertoire enough that you can execute at the end. I, I hope so. Yeah, I, I have no <laughs> doubt. Mise en place de mise en scene, you know? I don't know. For some, for some reason, I know for um, a lot of people, like, the, the photography is a, sort of the biggest part of it. For me, it's, like, kind of the smallest part. Of it. I know it's a big part of what people see, but it's I guess it's the thing of the, between the writing and the cooking and the stuff, like, it's probably, like, it's number three on the list yeah. for me. Like, it's the... It's the. Um, I'm actually kind of glad that you said that. I think people think photography is a very easy job sometimes, but there's a lot that goes into it and so forethought. Much. And, you know, I help do recipe concepting, consulting, uh-huh. testing. But part of photography is also inherently understanding the recipe mm-hmm. and what looks pretty and what step you should show. So it's not just taking... Yeah, I know nothing yeah. about styling food. I'm so amazed when people can just, like, take a table and, like, make it look inviting because they know how to like throw the napkin down and like i mean if my food's like really unstyled um i'm like yeah i don't style food it's all natural i also don't know how to style food so (laughs) there's that too yeah Um, um let's talk about food aside from your own because i found this little gem on your site about deb's new york 
um, recently <laughs> updated really, too. Only yeah, I put something up a couple weeks ago. Yeah. but I, there was like a year where I hadn't updated because oh, really? I forgot about. Well, it. how felicitous! This is kind of perfect that we get to talk about uh, talking pizza, uh, talking seasonal recipe uh, uh-huh. uh, ingredients. Ramp Pizza Motorino around the corner from your house. I don't know. I need to call. I haven't called them this week to find out if it's back yet. <laughs> it was a revelation for me last year. I thought it was one. I just, I just loved it. I don't do a lot of ramps on the side. I love them, but I, um, they fall into that thing that you really need to be by a green market in a very specific week of the year in a very specific part of like the East Coast, and so they're not really something that most people have access to but they have this ramp pizza that I just thought was amazing there's no mozzarella on it it's just it was a thin red sauce and then I don't know if they lightly grilled them or they just roasted them maybe they lightly sauteed them those all over and then just a ton of pecorino romano so it's like salty and punchy and bright and it was just so good and then it was I kind of like zoned out for a sec just imagining (laughs) that yes it was just this tangle and it was it was really good yeah and um I was a big fan well I mean uh you preface in your about section in your bio that you like bourbon, artichokes, things that taste like burnt sugar and baked goods with funny names. Artichokes. You you name that twice in your New York. St. Anselm has a artichoke for two. Two? Uh, no, it, um, no. I had the steak for two there. Steak for two. Well, I, did I was not about to be like that's a big ass artichoke. Steak for two. Yeah. <laughs> that would be something else. Uh, no, they have an amazing artichoke dick. I don't know if it's permanently on their menu. Probably not. It was. We were there maybe a month or two ago. We had such a wonderful meal, and it was. Um, they were. They were small artichokes. It was just the hearts, and they were grilled. And in the sort of scooped-out heart where the choke would be, they put a little dollop of this lemony, garlicky aioli, and it was just—it was magnificent. It was excellent. I would go back, and and I think it was. I remember the cost, but I just felt like it was pretty reasonable for what the dish it was. I felt everything there was—I mean, coming from like it's not a steakhouse, I know, but yeah, you know, coming from like Manhattan prices and like what you pay for a lot of restaurants, I felt like everything there was very reasonable and fair for what you were getting. Uh, happy Pesach. Um, Kutcher's matzo ball soup. Dude, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Um, it's changed a little bit since I, I've been there maybe three times and I've had it. The first time it came out, I thought it was like the most gorgeous bowl of matzo ball soup I'd ever seen in my entire life. There was in the in the bowl like just perfectly diced confetti of carrots, celery. Everything was perfectly cubed, even the celery, which if you've ever chopped celery, yeah. it's not easy to make it in perfect cubes. And parsnip. And I almost feel like there was something pink in there too. And it was just like this confetti over the soup and it was gorgeous. Yeah. Little sprigs of dill and it was excellent. I don't know if they're still doing this because I'm not a restaurant expert got a couple more days for passover (laughs) well yeah well you can yes you can go there and get it this week that would be wonderful but they had for a while there i don't know if they're still doing they had this jewish chinese sunday night dinner that was so cool we actually stumbled into it randomly when we just like stopped by just to see what was going on and they took the same matzo ball soup and they drizzled it with toasted sesame oil sesame seeds scallions and there was a little shredded duck on the side and that was that was the second best matzo ball soup i've ever had in my entire life well it's bubby is first Maybe I don't. Yeah, we we won't. We won't. I don't actually think that either my bubbies cook. (laughs) Well, I don't want to. I don't want to make fun of bubbies here because I hold mine dearly. Um, But I just wanted to end the show with a couple things. Cookbook, congrats! Thank you. Fall this year. Yeah, it should be out in October. The exact date is not confirmed. Yeah, yeah, we've got. Baked goods with funny names. You name your favorite. I'll name mine, and we'll be out. Grunt, fool, pandowdy. Oh, wow. Mine were much more pervy than that. What? (laughs) (laughs) Nuns farts and spotted dick. 
Oh, yeah. What's the nun's fart? <laughs> nun's farts are like beignets. Really? Yeah. Why would you do that to a beignet? I don't know. I don't know. But they're great. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Smitten Kitchen, thank you so much for being on this show. Thanks for having me You've been me on. listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.